The scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 21 through 28. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Then he turned and said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not on the side of God, but of men. Then Jesus took his disciples. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever shall save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. And then he will repay every man for what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is the reading of the gospel. Get thee behind me. Before we dive into this, I wanted to just um, take a minute and, and tell you how I got here. Um, Pastor Curtis invited me to uh, share with you this morning, and I was really grateful to accept that invitation. I um, am almost 60 years old. <laughs> Uh, and I, I've been just about everywhere. I was born an Air Force kid, and uh, so church for me for a long time was Vacation Bible School, the Protestant half of the on-base, and that was pretty much it. Um, I got married, and uh, my wife and I were active, as it happens, in uh, Clearfield Community Church, the same church Pastor Curtis comes from. Uh, we had a son, and um, then after a few years of being married, I realized that I needed to come out as a gay man, and so I started a new life, and that life led me into Salt Lake City. I became a part of the MCC Metropolitan Community Churches in Salt Lake uh, 30 years ago, actually now. Um, that's Kind of like Curtis a little bit. Once I got into it, I mean, I was into it. I was there every time the door was open. Uh, I ended up preaching a little bit, teaching some Sunday school classes, doing some community things. And that's where I met Courtney at church. And um, eventually started seeing him and moving up to Logan to be with him. And we decided once we were in Logan that we needed a church in Logan, so we started a church. And that lasted for about 12 years. Um, started to have grandkids, and so we needed to be close to them. We moved down to Kaysville, and uh, they grew up, started school. Now they've gone on to a house in Brigham City, and so we decided to move into Salt Lake City. That's just a couple of months ago. Last December, when all the legal stuff was going on and there was all that stuff 
court battles here and there. For 17 days, it was legal to marry. And so in December of last year, Pastor Curtis married Courtney and I. And we decided then it was time for us to come back to church. And so since January, we've been here, and we've really enjoyed it. So I want to thank you for welcoming our family into this family. And, um, and that's me. Remember from last week, Peter and the disciples were gathered around, and Jesus was trying to get them to a point where they recognized who he really was. And, of course, that is the Messiah. But what Peter heard out of that was some pretty good stuff. He's going to be the rock, the foundation. He's going to have the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind is bound. Whatever you loose is loosed. You have to imagine that he's uh, kind of got the feeling, I've won the lottery. This is great. But Peter's hearing all this good stuff for him and the other disciples, the Church of God. And then Jesus says, tell no one. What's that all about? Not use this power, not even for good? James tells us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. We don't understand how all this works. But can we do as Jesus asks anyway? As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And that weakness describes Peter beautifully. Confused. Uncertain, sounding a little bit familiar. Jesus just finished laying out the powerful ministry of the Messiah. And now we get to the price. Now Jesus must go, must suffer, be killed, and on the third day be raised again. Never, never, says Peter. That first bit, please, about the power and the keys, that, that's, that's where I'd like to stay. But Jesus says, you are not mindful of the things of God, all creation. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, from Romans 8 and 28. But Peter's jumped up and taken on Jesus, the only recently revealed Messiah, for what Peter wants, for what Peter wants. And that's where he got, and we get in trouble. Many times we see only what's in it for us. And we get stuck out on a limb, alone. As Jesus knew the progression of what would be happening to him, they made it into Jerusalem. They come to the Passover dinner. 
an uncomfortable learning experience for everybody at the table, including Jesus. And Peter says, I will never be made to stumble, even though everyone else does. And Jesus just looks over and smiles. You know, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. They go to the garden, and Peter falls asleep on him three times. Jesus says, could you not watch with me for one hour? Later in the confusion of the arrest and all of that, Peter's become separated from the other disciples. And in his own fear, he lost sight of the promise of God. And he did, in fact, deny Jesus three times. Peter's a mess. He's been separated from his Messiah, the promise of God. But Jesus gathers them and us together over and over. All of us in our faithful times, in our doubt, in our fear, Jesus gathers us all together whether we're being optimistic or pessimistic on that certain day, Jesus gathers us together. There's a story about a couple of twins. One of these twins happened to be just unconsolably pessimistic. The other one was incessantly optimistic. Completely different. And the parents are thinking, we've got to do something to even this out a little bit. So they come up with a plan. They're going to put a bunch of new toys in the pessimist room. And they're going to fill the optimist room with horse manure. The kids come home. They go to their rooms. They're in there for a while. The pessimist comes out and the parents say, how did you like your new toys? Did you play with them? And the pessimist kid says, no, I, I didn't even open them. I just knew they were going to break and, and I just didn't want to be disappointed. Just then the optimistic kid comes out. How, how, how was your room? He says, you know, I got in there and, and it was just, it was full of horse manure. And, and I, started, I started digging around in there. And I'm digging and I'm digging. Well, so why are you so happy? And the optimistic kid says, well, I just know that... Uh, the longer I dig, the closer I am to finding the pony. <laughs> we have the story of Jesus. We have those who tell it. We have those who live it, the story of the risen Christ. And we are all those that live it together keeping the risen Christ alive together.
were not alone in this, but gathered together. As Jesus suffered and filled the word of God, he was the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. So we together suffer the cross, our servants to the cross, servants of God. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Servants of God, taking orders, those loving suggestions from a loving God, a loving parent. But here we come to the scary part. Are we Peter, one person alone? Or are we the children of God, a family together and strong? Dennis has been reminding us for a couple of weeks that many hands make light work. There's no better way to see that than with that rummage sale. Whether you can help for one hour or all day long, just a little bit helps. And that's what it's like to take up your cross for a little bit or for all day. For one day, for a season, for a lifetime, do what you can to hold that up. No one person bears the load alone. Get thee behind me. Have you ever been asked, what one person would you like to invite to dinner? I think for me sometimes it'd be Walt Whitman, maybe Abraham Lincoln. Other times I'm thinking Harry Potter, Doctor Who, the 11th Doctor. But whatever your answer is, we want some basic things out of our interactions with each other. We want to be seen, we want to be heard. We want to be loved, we want to be understood. And maybe the scariest part of this scripture is that Jesus did hear Peter. He did see Peter. He did understand. And he did love Peter. Enough to take him deadly seriously. And name him Satan. I don't know if you remember when your mother called you. It would start out like, Kelly? Kelly? Kelly Darwin Burns? That's seriously. And you don't know what the plan is, you don't know what she wants, but you better get there. The world was changing, and the world is changing still. Who among us knows the plan? Robert Schuler is a TV preacher for a long time. He used to say, the clouds will pass. The mountain has a peak. There is an end. Change is always scary because we just don't know. 
Not, why, not my will, but thine, Jesus said. Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world, from John 16. Let go of what you want. Pick up your cross and follow in the name of love. That picking up the cross bit, that's a little bit daunting. There's a man named Paul Lawrence Dunbar, an African-American church leader from the 1800s. You can imagine what his cross might have felt like, having lived at the end of legal slavery, the formation of Jim Crow laws. Can you imagine what that would feel like? But he recorded for us a prayer, and I'd like to share part of it with you. He wrote this in 1895. Lead gently, Lord, and slow, for, oh, my steps are weak, and ever as I go, some soothing silence speak, that I may turn my face through doubt's obscurity towards thine abiding place, even though I cannot see. Lead gently, Lord, and slow, for fear that I may fall. I know not where to go unless I hear thy call. Get thee behind me, Satan, tempter. Wouldn't it be nice if the most hideous temptation any of us ever felt was chocolate? Get thee behind me. Anybody can say they love the Lord, love Jesus, but living those words is a gift of God. Living those words in community is a gift of God. Gathering together is a gift of God. Taking up our crosses together is a gift of God. One day at a time together is a gift of God. To stumble, fall, rise again together is a gift of God. Our Peter, rock and stumbling block, brilliant and clueless. God can work with that. And God can work with you. Church, live your suffering, your discipleship together, in community, the family of God. Be together the gift of God to the world. Amen.